old trainers told me and he said you don't have to be great to start but you have to start in order to be great and we've kind of took that with us with everything with starting the blog with starting traveling starting taking pictures is even the best people in the world they started somewhere and their day one is gonna or even their their day 10,000 that they've been doing it is going to look completely different than your day one through a hundred. So this is a life in motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action, sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 87 of life in motion. I've got Giselle and Steven with me who are the ones behind lovers passport. They spend their time traveling, taking adventure photos, and even planning adventures for others. I'm not going to lie, it sounds like they have a pretty awesome lifestyle, and I'm excited to learn more about their stories and how they're able to help others get out there to explore. Uh, thank you both for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah you know, I, as we were talking before, it's been a busy day for you, so I, you know, I appreciate the, the time definitely with that. But before we get into kind of everything that you're up to now, um, let's start with kind of who, who each of you are kind of um, individually. Um, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, kind of, you know, how, how you met, how you kind of started down this road and this path that you're at now. Um, Giselle, you, you go first. All right. Well, I'm Giselle. I am 24 and I am based in Southern California. I've been raised here all of my life, whether it was close to Los Angeles, all the way up to Santa Barbara. And before I started this whole thing, I worked in marketing for a skincare and hair care company. And then um, I actually met Steven up while I was attending UC Santa Barbara um, a couple of years ago. And we met at, uh, it was basically like a joint birthday party for <laughs> me and one of my friends. And the, the friend who I was having it with went to high school with Steven and he or she invited him and we headed off right away and had our first date like three or four days later. Nice. And the rest is history from that. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we started traveling or I've, my family and I have been traveling basically since I was a baby. So my mom was a travel agent and has worked probably every niche of the travel industry from hotels to airlines to travel agencies. Now she's working in cruises. So I've always had the luxury of being able to travel with my family growing up. So that's kind of where I got this need and desire and passion to travel pretty often from a young age. And yeah, I've just kind of continued that into my adult life. And when I met Steven, it was a perfect excuse to head out on more adventures since I always had a hard time finding people that want to go out and do stuff with me, like road trips and hikes and whatnot. And he was always down. So <laughs> basically all of our first dates were hikes and road trips and many adventures near us in Santa Barbara. And now we've just kind of continued that years later. That's awesome. And, you know, nice little perk, you know, having your, your mom in the kind of the travel industry, you know, you, you got to test out where, where you're promoting or telling these people to go visit. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a different kind of travel than what I do now. Definitely more of the, I mean, my mom got like really great, like discounts and rates and fam trips and stuff because she had those, those connections and networks. Whereas now it's definitely more like budget and more dirt baggy lifestyle than necessarily going out to all these like super nice resorts and traveling to like far away European cities per se. But now we have like a healthy balance of both, I would say. 
yeah, that works out. You know, you got bit by the travel bug earlier than, and then figure out how to kind of make it work as, as you got older. So that's, uh, that's exactly. Perfect. <laughs> um, and then Steven, what, how about yourself? You know, kind of same thing, you know, where you grow up kind of that kind of whole story. Yeah, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I grew up here in Ventura, California, which is about an hour North of Los Angeles. And my whole background's kind of in martial arts. So I've been doing Taekwondo since I was three years old Oh wow! when I was super, super young. So I've been doing it for about 21, 22 years now. Now I own a small business where I teach Taekwondo called Ignite Martial Arts. So that's my day job. I'm there Monday through Thursday, sometimes Friday. And then on the weekends is when I usually either went to a tournament or since COVID, basically shut down the entire tournament circuit <laughs> is when I started getting more into the backpacking, road tripping, hiking scene. I had a very different travel experience than Giselle. She had much more like the luxury <laughs> travel experience. And my dad was like, let's go hike 50 miles where there's no signal in the <laughs> Eastern Sierra backcountry. So very different, like Giselle was saying, very different travel experiences on that end. She did a lot more of like the cruise and beautiful cities. And I did a lot more of like the national parks and camping and the outdoorsy scene on that end. Just because we were, we were pretty poor growing up. My parents were both 19 and 20 years old when they had me. So my parents still now are in their early forties. So kind of cool to have young parents, but like Giselle said, we met in Santa Barbara. I moved in with one of my buddies up there and was trying to, live the college lifestyle for a little bit and go out and hang out live with people around my own age because I did not go to a four-year university I just went to a little two-year and was like well I'm gonna do taekwondo for the rest of my life so why do I need to go to a four-year if I already know what I want to do you know yeah but yeah that, that's kind of where we've been and like Giselle said the past basically two years we've just been road tripping and camping on through has it been almost three years of three years of road tripping, camping, adventuring on the, on the weekends. And that's kind of how we started just budget traveling. And it's turned into what it is today. If you could have asked me or her a year ago, like, Hey, what are you guys going to do in a year? We would nowhere near be able to explain what we're doing today. It's just completely insane, but been really fun to meet her and kind of work on this together. That's, that's awesome. So I do have a question about the kind of the martial arts background, you know, you, you starting so, so young, um, was it, was your family into that as well? Or is it more of like, Hey, here, you know, we need to get, get him involved in something. So let's try this out. And you just kind of fell in love with it. Like what, what was that like? And then what obviously kept you, um, involved with it kind of, you know, obviously all this time. Yeah. I, my parents put me in it when I was three years old because I was a super shy kid that didn't talk to a lot of people, didn't, didn't really speak up, didn't just didn't talk a lot at all. So they kind of put me in it to toughen me up and teach me discipline and how to build a little bit more confidence. And when I was five years old, my dad's in the military. So he got deployed on active duty for a year. And my mom was like, well, I need something to do too. And the instructors kept pushing her and saying, Hey, here, here all the time. Cause your son, you should hop in here. And she started doing Taekwondo right around then. And then when I was eight years old, my dad was deployed again for another year. And she was like, all right, well, why don't I really push into this? So she started teaching at the studio and assisting with a few of my classes with a couple other moms there. And then eventually I started to get very, very good at it. I was top in the world for martial arts and wow. she started to get competing as well. So we were both on the competition circuit. 
would just kind of turn into a lifestyle. Every weekend we would go somewhere, go and compete for our martial arts, then come back. We would teach and assist at the studio. And that continued into eventually she wanted to open up her own dojo. So she started her own business and had started opening that when I was 13 years old. So I was kind of a studio rat and always <laughs> there from 13 until 18, basically just teaching, learning it, getting better, competing on the national level. And then my mom got remarried, had two kids that are now a one or two years old and kind of gave the studio to me and my best friend, Jonah. So we've been running it the past few years and it's been super convenient. It's a way to keep me in shape. I get to help change a lot of kids' lives, talk about bullying because I was bullied a ton as a kid. So it's been really cool to see how a shy kid, myself, three years old, kind of now helps other people go through that and builds their confidence. So that's kind of why I stuck around. I don't need to do it full. Uh, I don't necessarily need to do it because we both have the lover's passport, which could be a full-time job, but I love what it does and love the experience of it. And it's a family business. So always will be a part of my life for sure now. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool that you were able to kind of bond with your mom with that. And then she ended up getting super involved with it as well. And then obviously kind of, as you mentioned, starting the studio and then now it's yours. Um, and, and I especially love the, um, uh, the fact that you're able and, and recognize that, you know, the impact that you're, that you're able to have on the kids as your example is, is bullying and that kind of stuff, um, to kind of, you know, help them and kind of, you know, bring, bring that next kind of generation up. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's been re really cool experience and it's a great, super fun because I can do that Monday through Thursday. And then on the weekends kind of go off into a weekend warrior and, go to a completely different type of lifestyle. So fun being able to get out and travel so much, but also have a pretty stable Monday, Thursday job to where I can go in and um, be able to make a difference in a couple of people's lives. So it's been super fun. That's, that's awesome. So, you know, it, it, you kind of both said, you know, when you met, you know, after the first couple of dates, you know, there were a lot of them were, were outdoors related and hiking and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what, I, I guess, what was it about that whole thing? Because, you know, not everybody that you meet wants to go do that. So obviously, that's a plus there, you know, finding that common ground, but to continue on those adventures, and then kind of what was that, that kind of stepping stone, I guess, with those adventures that kind of led to, to what you are doing today? I feel like I had a, one of my friends, Chris, he's a professional photographer and he would always ask us to model for him. And, um, any trip we went on, basically, he would always bring our camera and be capturing it in more of like a, more of like a movie cinematic type of style. And we would, we would love just going hiking and road tripping and the backpacking. So we both enjoyed that. And he would bring our, his camera and kind of talk to us like, Oh, I want you to pose like this, or this is what I'm looking for in the photo. So it was always in the back of at least my mind. I know Giselle has a little bit more of a media and um, movie background mm -hmm. as far as that, but on my end, it was always really cool watching him create and his beautiful photos. So we always kind of had a little, little bit of an edge to want to potentially do that someday and being able to see what he can do with it. It was really cool and inspiring for us. And then also too, when we were out and about, there were always some times where he would take photos of us and we would want the photos, but he didn't like them. So we, <laughs> we didn't get the photos. And so we're like, oh, maybe we should start taking our own photos. That way we guarantee that we will always have these for for the mems and then when covid came around and lockdown happened 
we found ourselves with a lot of extra time and we were already going on all of these trips and adventures anyways. And we were kind of just taking selfies on our iPhones. And then we were like, huh, maybe we should just like buy a camera and learn photography while we're locked down here. Cause Steven was only teaching from his studio in his living room. He basically had to like convert <laughs> everything. So his class schedule went down quite a bit. It was crazy. And so he had a lot more free time. So he researched all this photography stuff and I researched all this editing. And I had my previous job at the time, I managed their influencer marketing program. And I also like, I, I majored in communication in college. I'm very marketing savvy. And so we kind of got this random idea of, huh, maybe we should start a couple's adventure blog and kind of just ran with it during COVID. We took some courses and found some like workshops and kind of, uh, we're like, oh, we could kind of, we could maybe build something out of this. And the whole original attention of it was just for our family and friends that would constantly ask us, Hey, I saw you went up to like big Sur. like, where should I go there? Or like, what itinerary should I do? Or what hiking shoes do I need? I, I don't know anything about like Gore-Tex or, you know, all the random things to take into consideration. So it just kind of started as an outlet to help our friends and family. And then it slowly grew from there. That's awesome. So, yeah. And it's kind of cool that it kind of started, like you said, um, it, you know, you didn't, you didn't seek that, you know, seek to, you know, start doing that. It was more of just Not kind of all. part, part of the environment and kind of evolved in that way. Um, so, so this is going to be a weird question, obviously, you know, you know, a lot of the podcasts that I have now, it's all COVID related, uh, or, you know, so COVID comes up some one way or the other. So I always kind of like to ask because of that, and this is not to say that anything is good about the situation. So just one disclaimer on that, but do you think if, if something like that never happened, do you think that, you know, you would have, um, kind of pursued this as far as, you know, going outside and hiking as often, and then even picking up the photography side of things, like in a weird no. way, do you think that kind of gave you an opportunity? I hate using the word opportunity, uh, you know, because making of the, the best of a bad situation. Yes, yeah, it, exactly. Um, no, I don't think we would because of a few things. One, because Stephen had not a lot of time on his hands before that. So actually like backtracking before we started this page, I had a blog, not social media, just like a solo female adventure blog where I'd write articles and it wasn't like very good. I didn't really know what I was doing there, but I enjoyed writing the articles and like sharing them on my like personal Facebook and stuff. And then once COVID came around, I was like, Hey, maybe we can like take this and reserve all the social media and do it together. Cause it was a lot of just like writing and extra work. And at first Steven didn't have the time, like, cause we reserved all the handles and stuff right before everything went into lockdown. So it was kind of like, you, you know, you knew about COVID, but you didn't like actually know what it was yet. And the world was still kind of like open ish. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So without that too, um, we, so we would have had less time. I was still like, I still loved my job and so did, um, so did Steven. And then with the stimulus check too, uh, that's what we used to buy our first camera actually. Um, and yeah, so Steven was like, oh, maybe we should just use it to invest and buy this. So I don't know if, if we didn't get the stimulus check because of COVID, would we have bought a camera? I don't know. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like really small, funny things like that. And I don't think we would have been able to scale our, our account as fast as we did if if it didn't happen because we were able to like really deep dive 
in, in lockdown and really learn everything at a faster pace than we normally would. Cause as much as we love to do our like side hobbies after work and whatnot, the amount of time that it takes to like brand yourself and post content and everything, I don't think we would have had the quality of work that we did during lockdown, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if you'd agree even, but yeah, I think before it was just almost a priority switch because I was focused on getting into the Olympics and sparring at a very high level and training and growing the studio. And I was so focused on that one goal that when COVID hit, everything kind of halted and I wasn't able to train. There were no tournaments. I wasn't able, I'm used to interacting with hundreds of people per day when they come to the studio and it was complete, like completely yeah, culture shock to me. Yeah. So I, I, like she was saying, I was only teaching maybe an hour or so per day in my living room. And the, it felt like the only thing I could do is try and educate myself on something rather than wasting all the time. So we jumped into photography and I started engaging on Instagram and just finding a really, really cool community. The outdoor adventure travel niche is so, so cool to be able to connect with these people, see what they're doing, find other like-minded couples that love traveling and love adventuring and doing that together. So it was really cool to be able to find other people that were also struggling with that and kind of buy into it. So I think if there wasn't a halt, my priorities wouldn't have switched so drastically. I think we would have traveled and done it more often, but now that we have the blog and now that we have all this stuff with the lover's passport, it's definitely made us prioritize that a lot more with content and wondering to see cool places and wanting to be able to give everyone these recommendations about these beautiful places rather than saying, Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of tired. Do you want to stay home this weekend? Well, it's just given us like a a reason to go out and do stuff more. Like we, we adventured beforehand, like we were saying, but it was much less often. <laughs> so we would maybe have one or two trips max per month. And now it's more like four or five, depending on the month. So, um, yeah, just, it, it switched the, our intention in terms of getting out. Cause now we, now we have to do trips where it's like, okay, these trips are just for fun. They're not for content. And then there are some where it's like, okay, this is for content and for work. Yeah, totally. Totally. That makes sense. And it, and like I said, it's, it's, it's cool that you were to kind of make the best out of the unfortunate situation, you know, that, that we all faced. And, um, that usually kind of seems to be the, uh, the same, the same answer that I get sort of when I ask a similar question to other guests, you know, cause I've noticed, you know, around where I live here and, and, uh, Springfield, Missouri is that, you know, a lot of people started going out, um, getting outside again, obviously because different lockdowns and everything like that. And it seems like a lot of people got kind of either reconnected with, with nature or kind of, got more into it as, as you all have. So, you know, I always like hearing, hearing that side of things about, like I said, all the craziness. Um, so, so with the, the trips and stuff themselves, um, you know, cause you, you know, you just mentioned, you know, now you have some trips that are just kind of for fun. Some are obviously for content to kind of build that, that community and, and inspire others. Um, how do you go about like, I, I guess, um, where where are some of the places that you go and like the type of activities kind of specifically and then how do you plan out those trips like where like how how do you choose those locations and those activities and and that kind of stuff well when we first started it was 
right after we we started being able to actually like leave our houses and stuff. So we, our first year of our account was all California. So, and, and some Utah too, but basically anywhere we, we could reach on a weekend because we both were still doing our full-time jobs and I still had to be back at the office Monday at 8am kind of thing. So we first started with national parks. That was like our first like love. We did a lot of backpacking prior to our account um, out in Yosemite. So we wanted to go and do Yosemite together again and Sequoia Kings Canyon. Our goal was to visit all nine of the California parks, which we did. And then once we did that, we slowly added state parks. And then once we've done a lot of state parks, then we kind of just, uh, would research on Pinterest and blogs and Google earth and try and find these really cool, like hidden gems, uh, there's like so much to do in California. It's, it's not even funny. Like (laughs) we, we've driven the coast several times. We've driven all the way up from the redwoods down to San Diego and the Mexico border. So you can basically see something new every single day for like a whole year. And now that we've done California, I feel like we've gotten a lot of, um, a lot of knowledge and a lot of experiences out of it. We're starting to branch out now to like other states as well as other international destinations. But basically what we look for in a destination is usually we don't really go to cities. (laughs) I'll say that. Um, It's just not really our scene. Like even in California, like San Francisco wasn't always our favorite place to go when we were passing through to get up north. And so we try to avoid the cities. We try and look for some really cool landscapes. We do a lot of car camping. So places that are free to camp on. So uh, lots of BLM land, which is Bureau of Land Management land and lots of national forests where we can camp because it keeps it cheap because our, our, our reason that a lot of people followed us is because we give a lot of good budget travel tips too. Yeah. So like on the average weekend, if we're doing a road trip nearby, like we usually have a three to five hour radius of what we're willing to drive on a Friday, on a Friday night. Uh, and we only spend about like $200 every trip for wow. everything, including gas and groceries and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it really just depends on how far away is it from our house in terms of driving time and how much time do we have? Uh, have we been there before? Is it photographable? That's definitely, <laughs> we didn't used to go to spots because they were pretty for the gram per se, but it definitely helps if it's (laughs) photographable. Um, but we definitely do go to places that we want to check out and without the intention of being like, Oh, I have to go, I have to go shoot it. It just looks like a cool spot. So yeah, I just really, I feel like that's, that's how we tend to decide. And then we'll narrow down the itineraries the week of, we look for hikes, um, outdoor activities, like kayaking or snowboarding or anything that gets us out there that, I mean, based on the environment, for example, when we were in Canada in the winter, you're not going to go like out hiking every day when it's (laughs) freezing. So like we did snowboarding and, um, going through like an ice Canyon and snowshoeing and sledding and all this other stuff. So anything just keeps us outdoors where we like to try a ton of like new experiences and whatnot. And then of course the food, we love the food too. That's something on our account. We don't really (laughs) highlight a lot, but Steven actually used to have like a foodogram before we started this account. And it was the funniest little little tiny account where he'd leave little food reviews at restaurants. And so the food's also important. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So yeah. And that, that totally makes sense. And, and kind of jump back a little bit to what you were saying about, um, you know, other people are following you for 
their your kind of advice as far as a budget standpoint and then yes obviously the 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 nice photos help because that gets those those individuals attention Mm -hmm. um but i think it's really cool that you're you're incorporating that and showing other people what is possible because me um personally i think there's a a big misconception um with with a lot of people um that you have to have a lot of money to go to all these places. What and even whether it's you know somewhere national to them or not national, so somewhere close to them or or international um, as well. That there are other ways to or there, there's ways to budget that in to figure out how to do it at an affordable rate, but still get that amazing experience that a lot of people can never say or might never say that they that they've been able to do. Um, so I think that that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, awesome that you're, you're helping that mindset. So, and to that point, when it, when it comes to budgeting, what are, what are like some of the, like the biggest like tips and like things that, that you offer to, to your followers and, and blog viewers and all that stuff, um, about how to, how to go about that. I feel like a lot of the times when it comes to budgeting, we just give lots of resources to our account. So every week we don't do like the usual Instagram caption. I feel like where it's like three words and or a quote. quote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's most of the time like almost maxing out the, the character limit on Instagram where we're saying, okay, you should use Gas Buddy. What if you don't have that app? You should I highly recommend everyone download it because it tells you where the cheapest gas is near you and you can set your limits on it another website we use or three websites we use are campendium freecampsites.net and free roam and those just tell you the different areas you can camp that are all free so even that alone paying a hotel room the cheapest motel six even nowadays is 80 bucks bucks to 100 bucks where we can find a place to stay for completely free and just car camp or bring a tent and then we give a lot of recommendations as far as food and not eating out all the time because that adds up where we bring resources like we have something called a jackery that is a portable power station to charge a fridge so we can bring fresh food on all of our trips and we explain how we do that and then we show off our tips on how we plan entire road trips people like how do you plan to go to all these different areas and Giselle found a great resource called Google My Maps, and it helps you lay out an entire road trip, different locations where you're going to camp, and it makes it super, super budget-friendly rather than paying for all these different hotels and trying to spend a lot of money. So I feel like throughout the account, every week we have a pillar where we're trying to talk to our followers and talk to our community about how they can save money but be able to travel because I feel like most people think they need to travel way far away in these really exotic places where right in your backyard, there's so much to see. We use a website called The Outbound that tells you all these different activities and different adventures things you can do right next to. Yeah, and I feel like another thing too is kind of demystifying that experience because, you know, a lot of people look up to these travel bloggers that have been around for a long time and they're like, oh, I can't do that. Like I have a full-time job. And that's a lot of our following came from the fact that we were still doing this with Monday to Friday jobs. And so kind of showing like, hey, you can still work your full-time job and get out there and travel on a budget. And so just showing that it was possible and showing like, hey, it's not necessarily glamorous, but if you make travel a priority, it is possible to do. 
Yeah, that and that's awesome. I mean, there's a, a lot of apps and, and websites and stuff you just rattled off that I, I haven't heard of before that I'm definitely have to check out myself. Um, so so with that kind of the point you just made about, you know, you all working full time jobs and still being able to get out and do all this and kind of a lot of people having that mindset that if if they do work full time jobs, they, they can't do it. Um, what is I guess I mean, what is your kind of biggest suggestion? Like when, when, if somebody feeds like, Oh, well, well, this picture looks nice, but I'll never be able to get there. Like, how do you, how do you kind of like combat that where it kind of helps shift that mindset for, for that person? I was going to say, I feel like the biggest thing is looking at your priorities and seeing, okay, is traveling in the top like three, because if you don't like people make excuses nonstop, that yeah. it's too expensive. I don't want to travel like that. Like things things along those lines. And if you don't put it at the top of your priority list, then you're not going to find ways to make it happen. Or at least that's what we've encountered in terms of that. And, and when you do make it a priority, you do have to realize you have to make sacrifices. So we don't sleep as much as we should on the weekends <laughs> because we're driving like four or five hours after work day and we're sleeping in the back of our car, not at some like very plush resort with a very nice bed. And so there's definitely some things that you have to sacrifice, but just shifting your priorities to where you're going to make anything or you're going to do anything to make it happen. That's kind of the first step because it is truly a mental thing in the beginning. And Stephen always says like, you just have to start, you just have to do it. Just throw yourself into it. Don't think about it too much because the people that get caught up are the people that are like, overthinking every single detail, start local, start small and dive into it and then learn every time you go out. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And then to, to another point that you just made there, which is a question that I had was, you know, you mentioned, you know, sleeping in your car and, and figuring that kind of stuff when it comes to, to your trips and that kind of stuff, what are, what are sort of the, the, you know, having obviously quote unquote, not the luxury of, you know, a, a big, a big car to bring. And then you're, you know, you don't have to, you're not taking all your luggage and whatnot into a hotel room and that kind of stuff. What are kind of those essential things that you always bring with you on a trip, you know, to, to make it, uh, as I guess this is as luxurious, there we go. If I can say the word, um, as, as it can be, um, if that makes sense. I feel like we have our essentials and then we also have our our luxury, luxury items luxury because <laughs> luckily in our line of work, we have gotten quite a few nice things to level up our car camping. But when we first started and we did not have those things, I would say like having a good mattress, that was the hardest thing to find. We went through like four air mattresses and then realized, you know what? No, we're going to go with a memory foam mattress topper from Walmart. So we just, uh-huh. we found one we liked. And then we also, the other one that we liked was a Luno life mattress, but we got that way after the game when we we're already doing our setup and whatnot. So having a comfortable mattress, having plenty of storage underneath that. So Steven built out the back of our forerunner with like these wooden platforms, which he's actually redoing to optimize again um, and having storage boxes. So it, you at least feel organized when you're on the road and everything's got its own little spot. And we have like these food drawers and gear drawers and that kind of stuff. It just keeps everything in its place without it becoming chaotic in the back when you're driving around from place to place. Yeah. I feel like it, if anyone's interested in that or doesn't really visualize it, we have a full YouTube video where we walk through kind of 
exactly what our forerunner build is like. Like Giselle saying, we just finished building it out. So we have 12 inches under us to where we have uh, drawers under us. We can store chains if it's snowing. We store extra food, all of our clothes, everything that we have, we basically store under there so that we can sleep on top of it. And it makes life on the road yeah. way easier. And then I guess the other must-haves would either be a cooler or a fridge. Uh, since we do bring all of our own food on the weekends to save money, you got to have a good one of those. We have a Rover cooler and they're really cool because they're on wheels. So it's super nice because it's very transportable. And then we also have a fridge that we got later on. Uh, it just helps with our, like eating healthier on the road, but you don't need a fridge if you have a cooler. <laughs> and we started with like a Coleman cooler, you know, you don't need the fanciest stuff when you start out and you can just upgrade as you learn your preferences and whatnot. But having that fridge was super nice. And then like Steven mentioned earlier, that Jackery is awesome. It's a game changer. It's an investment though. That's mm. not cheap. That's like a thousand dollars. Yeah. So. But it comes with solar panels. It makes it so we can charge all of our drones, camera gear. We have e-bikes we bring sometimes. It charges oh, nice. that up. It charges everything. So it's a thousand watt one and it'll last us usually around three to four days if we're only On charging the necessities. But if we're charging like a fridge or something like that, it drains at like 20 to 25% per day, depending on the weather, but it comes with solar panels. So we just throw those on top of the car while we're cooking up, let it charge up the battery, and then we can keep on cruising. So, so I feel yeah. like that I'm trying to think what it would kit. be like if we traveled without that now. We had it for so long. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's just that's been a necessity. Or like there's also other solar generator options. That's just the one we use. And they have like different wattages too that are less expensive, but having like a generator of some sort is really nice. And then we do always bring our portable shower with us just in case we don't really use it to shower. It's called a rinse kit, but my dad got it for us for Christmas two years ago. And we mainly use it just to like wash our hands because I wear contacts and glasses actually when we go out and I hate having dirty hands yeah. with no bathrooms <laughs> or anything. And so I like to use that to wash my hands and like wash off our feet at the end of the day of like a long day of hiking. So that's like another luxury item. Like, do you need it? No, you could bring like baby wipes, but that's like a nice, a nice thing to have. And then, yeah, we just have some like very miscellaneous knickknacks. Like we have like a battery powered fan for when it's really hot. And then we have some thermal blankets and whatnot for the winter. So it just really depends on the kind of trip we're doing. That That's cool. So completely uh, self, uh, self-sufficient uh, yep. forerunner with everything there. And then you can, as you said, you can kind of pick it, you know, we look in your garage or storage or whatever and like, okay, we're going somewhere cold. Let's go to the cold water or cold gear and, and vice versa. So um, that, that's pretty cool. And especially, you know, when people think of a, a forerunner, they don't, uh, you know, they probably usually don't envision, you know, having all that stuff in there or making it so you can have all that stuff in there and sleep right. and whatnot as well. So that's, um, that's, that's definitely awesome. And, you know, obviously that saves a ton of money on, on hotels, uh, places and gives you the full experience of, you know, wherever you're exploring. So totally. We thought about doing like getting a van and you see those Mercedes vans or the big sprinters all over the place, but it just, for that's the accessible. places we go, we love having a forerunner because that thing's a beast. It can off-road and we've never been a spot where we've had difficulty getting where with a van. I've definitely heard some horror stories of getting stuck or the van tipping over if you're going oh. over some extreme stuff. So it's just very, very nice to have a capable vehicle that it can take us anywhere, but also be able to 
keep all of our stuff in it. Plus then, it gets better fuel economy. But also <laughs> yeah, too, like <laughs> our setup's removable the way we built it. So like during the week when we're actually home, he can just take it out and it's not like it's permanently in there. So that's another thing too. That's really nice. Yeah. That, that's super, con- that's super convenient. My, actually my, uh, my best friend growing up, um, him and his now fiance, uh, they did, they did buy a Sprinter van. Um, and, uh, I think they're on the road for about eight months across the, across the States, but, um, now, now I think they're getting ready to get rid of that. Um, you know, they've kind of done that, but he has a forerunner as well. Um, and I'm pretty sure he actually just built some kind of sword shelves, uh, similar to what you were just describing for his. So I'm sure they're kind of on the cusp of, um, and they might even follow you. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> on, on the cusp of, of kind of getting to, to that level as well. Cause they're, they're big outdoors people in that sense too. So that that's awesome. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot that you've seen, a lot of places that you've explored. What are like, if you could pick a, a handful or not a handful, but you know, a couple kind of favorite story, maybe one from each of you, uh, your favorite kind of story, maybe something surprising that happened along that adventure or something kind of just interesting in that, in that state. You want to go first? I always say one of my favorite trips that we did was actually before we started the blog, but it was Havasupa in Arizona and it's in the Grand Canyon. It was my first overnight backpacking trip that I did with Steven and it was just so beautiful. And I wish we had our cameras at the time. We had like a little tiny Canon vlogging camera at the time um, that Steven brought. And that was just like such an amazing experience. The water was so turquoise and so blue. And I just remember I overpacked so much like <laughs> I borrowed and this is where like the, the entryway to the outdoors is always you know said to be a little bit hard when you first start I borrowed a backpack from Steven's dad so it wasn't even a woman's backpack I didn't have like I bought a sleeping pad off of Amazon which I still use it's a good sleeping pad bought new hiking shoes like I got all this new stuff because I hadn't done it before and I was like okay I have to look like I have to look good because it's our first backpacking trip together it was like a month or two into us dating and I think I brought like five outfits for like four days. And I, <laughs> I like regret carrying that weight on me. And I just like brought so many things that I did not end up wearing or didn't need. And it ended up just being pretty funny. And we also had some like pretty heavy sleeping equipment at the time because we didn't invest in like our really nice lightweight stuff until later on when we realized we both wanted to do it, which I always recommend. I don't recommend buying super lightweight, expensive stuff before you try it backpacking. Cause what if you hate it? <laughs> and yeah, so there was that. And yeah, I just laugh at how much stuff I brought. And I remember on our way out there, the last part of that trail is a section of switchbacks and it was super hot. And I was just like yelling out like all the different food I was craving. So when we got <laughs> to the top, I was like, all right, let's go to in and out Let's go get pizza. Let's go get something. I was so hungry. And cause you know, when you're like, eating tons of dehydrated food the second you're done with the backpacking trip it's like give me like everything something real something fatty right (laughs) yeah exactly so that was that was just always a really fond memory of a very nice place but after the blog I would say um probably top spots Lake Tahoe was really cool we definitely need to go back there because we only have three days there Anza Borrego State Park and near San Diego California was totally out of the blue for us. Like we went cause we heard it was cool, but I, I really loved that area. It's so underrated. And then, um, probably one other spot 
in California, I would say up north, there are all these beautiful waterfalls past um, San Francisco and like near Lassen National Park, called, like Bernie Falls and McLeod Falls and that whole area. It was nice because when we went, it was New Year's Day of 20, was it 2021? 2021. And nobody else was up there. So we had these insane waterfalls all to ourselves. And that's always a once in a, a lifetime experience because like places that we've been to that I've also loved, like Horseshoe Bend, for example, was like Disneyland on steroids. There's thousands <laughs> of people all can all taking photos and there's weddings going on and there's illegal drones in the air and you can't really enjoy it as much when there's that many people. But yeah, those are probably some of my favorite spots. And in the one we just got back from, which was Sedona, Sedona's a an amazing spot in Arizona too. That, that's awesome. Sounds like some some beautiful places and some uh, beautiful memories. Uh, Steven, how about you? I feel like one that stands out to me was if you guys have ever heard of the Yosemite Firefall. Oh yeah. It is this insane phenomenon that only happens for about one to two weeks per year in, in Yosemite National Park. So there's during the winter, they usually get quite a bit of snow. And at the top of El Cap, there's this tiny little waterfall called Horsetail Falls that falls off the south side of El Cap, the famous mountain that Alex Honnold free soloed. So many people know the insane landmark. And for about two weeks a year, the sun sets and perfectly hits the water coming off Horsetail Falls. So it ends up turning into this basically fire red. Lava waterfall. Yeah, it looks it's water, <laughs> but the way the light hits it, I don't know how all the science works, but it makes it turn into this crazy red. And the funny story behind it was that it was the same week as Giselle's and my anniversary. So we planned to go to Yosemite for our anniversary, booked the trip, had no idea this was going on. And then <laughs> until like the week well, before. Yeah, we're, before. we're looking at it and we're like, oh, shoot, Firefall is going to happen while we're there. And we're like, OK, this could be a cool experience. So first day, second day, we both get snubbed. There's clouds everywhere because it is winter so they've been getting snowed on there's raining we've been camping it's still been a super like fun need trip perfect for us. conditions for it to show up and then the last day we were like you know what my, let's just snowshoe up the snowshoe up this four mile trail and see see if we can get above some of the trees because the crowds down below there were hundreds of tripods cameras people all over the place trying to capture this once in a lifetime moment that only sometimes you only see one time so we started hiking up this trail. It's snowing on us. We hiked five miles in the snow uphill. And we finally, we're both exhausted. And we turn around. And we're like, well, it's completely cloudy on us because it's been snowing all day. We're like, well, maybe we'll be lucky. And all of a sudden, this ray of light comes throwing down the valley. It was completely insane. And we look up and firefalls started happening. And we were up there with only two other people were in the wow. Yosemite Valley. There were hundreds, um, maybe even a couple thousand people. You could hear like everyone clapping from down yeah. below. <laughs> and it was on our anniversary. Every other day we were there for the five days, it was cloudy and we couldn't see it. But that one day it cleared up and watching the firefall happen, we were both shouting and it only lasted for about five, five, five to 10 minutes. But that five to 10 minutes, it was just such a surreal experience. All the stuff that had to lead up to it from hoping that we got a camp spot to hiking up there in the snow and the perfect conditions for that one week in the year. So that was probably my favorite travel memory that 
we've got to experience. It was a super cool moment. And we're actually going back there again this year, not for an anniversary, but hoping to be able to capture the firefall again, because it's such a magical moment. That's awesome. That's amazing. And see what happens when you, you know, do the extra work of hiking through the snow and everything like that. You know, you never know what, what might happen. <laughs> also, I love, love the brownie points that you just earned there by saying your favorite uh, travel memory was based on the anniversary. So I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, it's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then kind of a, another follow-up question that what is one place that each of you have been that, uh, or that, that, that each of you have not been, but is kind of on that bucket list. Mine is definitely the Italian Dolomites. That's like, I've seen so many pictures from that area. And most people think of Italy, they're like, oh, I'm going to go to Rome and Florence and Milan and all and all the main tourist attractions. But the mountains there are insane. If you guys have never heard of the Italian Dolomites, just Google a picture of it because probably one of the most insane mountain ranges in the world. So hopefully someday we'll be able to hike up there, do some rock climbing and they have all these different ski huts. So it's definitely on our list of bucket list places we want to go. I think mine's probably Patagonia and we're actually, we're doing a group trip there in November. So I'll hopefully be able to get to go (laughs) and see that. But, and that just has been on the bucket list for a while. I was lucky enough when I was in college, I was able to study abroad in Europe and hit like 10 different countries. So now I'm trying to move more towards South America and um, some other of those countries over there. I'd love to go to Brazil too and see Iguazu Falls. I think that's yeah. how you say it. Cause that's, that's one of those seven wonders of the world. And I would love to see all seven. That would be, that'd be fun. That'd be pretty oh. awesome. It sounds like y'all got a, a plenty, plenty of uh, adventures ahead of you. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. So, so one thing I always like to ask, you know, our, our guest um, is kind of one piece of advice for our audience as far as, you know, what, what they can take away from it. So, you know, in this case, you know, we touch on a bunch of different things as far as kind of shifting that mindset and, and budgeting and making everything kind of, you know, self-sufficient with the, the forerunner and everything like that. But I guess what, what would be the, the biggest piece of advice kind of as that starting point of somebody sort of on the cusp of, man, I keep seeing all these beautiful places pop up from my best friend or some random person on Instagram or whoever that may be, but, oh, I just can't do it. Like, what would be your piece of advice to kind of get them just to push over the edge to start, start kind of living that life that, that they want to live? Giselle kind of alluded to it earlier, but I have a quote. I like to tell everyone, I don't I feel awful. I don't know who said it, but, but one of my, one of my old trainers told me, and he said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start in order to be great. And we've kind of took that with us with everything with starting the blog, with starting traveling starting taking pictures is even the best people in the world. They started somewhere and their day one is going to, or even their, their day 10,000 that they've been doing it is going to look completely different than your day one through a hundred. So I always say, just take the leap. If you're like, well, I don't know if I can do it. Well, my other quote that my dad always says, (laughs) he he says, uh, your excuses are like belly buttons. Everyone's got one and your stinks. So stop making (laughs) up excuses and just find a way to make it happen. (laughs) I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) Classic dad joke. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you have anything to to add to that? I would say, I mean, yes, like starting is 
what Steven said is super important and definitely a mantra that we've lived by. Um, in terms of the content creation side of things, I would say, because uh, traveling is one thing, right? But actually like taking photos and putting yourself out there is another thing. Uh, comparing yourself kind of overlapping with Steven said, comparing yourself is the thief of joy, right? So <laughs> everyone's going to have different adventures. It's not always glamorous. It's not always the Instagram perfect picture kind of travel moment. Um, and also when you're starting out, if you are really trying to make traveling a priority and trying to monetize your account, just look at the people who you admire the most and reach out to them and see, like have conversations with them. Cause I bet you they're more than willing to have a conversation with you about how they got there and their story and how, and what tips you can do to get to where they are now. So I always say to like, look at the people you look up to and kind of not study, but <laughs> you know, like ask for advice from them. Cause if that's where you want to be, you might as well ask from the people at the top. Right. 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 So, so basically, you know, don't be afraid to go for it. And then also don't be afraid to reach out to, to like-minded people and kind of see where to start. Cause exactly. uh, you know, everybody starts somewhere and um, everybody also has a belly button. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so to that point, where can people um, find you all online, uh, see what you're up to? I know you got a bunch of different social channels and whatnot, but uh, yeah, where, where can people find you? Yeah, we are on almost every platform. If you want long form content, we put out our best tips on YouTube and you can find us at The Lover's Passport. If you're looking for some daily funny material, TikTok is definitely the spot to find us at The Lover's Passport. For all of our photos and kind of the highlight reel, what we're doing, Instagram is our um, our favorite platform at, at The Lover's Passport. And if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, we actually are launching our podcast in February. Nice. It's going to be called Unfiltered Adventures. So it's kind of the behind, behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. all the behind the scenes of what actually happens on our travels, some of our biggest travel fails, and behind the scenes of all the content creation and what we're doing now that it is Giselle's full-time job. That's and all. And I think or oh, and, our blog, our, and, and last but not least yeah the blog yeah. the loverspassport.com we have full itineraries for quite a few different spots in california and the okay. surrounding states and even a couple other from just like international international stuff. and yeah. big trips like, and that's also where you can find our photography ebook where we teach people how to take your camera off of auto mode and learn actually how to use your manual mode on your camera so that is where you will find that that's awesome. Well, well, everyone definitely make sure you check um, them out no matter, obviously, as they just said, you know, whatever social platform you prefer and obviously some, some good, good uh, tips and uh, definitely excited for, for your podcast as well. Kind of the behind the scenes and kind of, you know, the, the being authentic with your trips so that people understand that it's not uh, necessarily as crazy or as glamorous as it, but it's still an amazing adventure and creates amazing uh, kind of lifelong stories. So definitely check them out. Uh, but I think again, both of you all for, you know, coming on sharing your story, kind of how you met, kind of how this whole thing has developed and, and, you know, how, how you're helping others kind of get out there and see, see what's possible. So I uh, wish you all the best of luck in uh, your, uh, your next adventures. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. And Hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion until next time.